Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Hey, we've been uh, doing our Life of Christ uh, study. This is week three. Uh, we're going to be doing this for the whole semester, and we're going to be studying the life of Jesus because we believe that uh, Jesus was not just a great teacher, but Jesus was God himself, and he came to teach us the best way to live. And what I've found in my life is that in every season, uh, seasons of encouragement, seasons of faith, seasons of discouragement, that there has always been an answer for me. Uh, in, in the teachings and in the person of Jesus. And so uh, I don't know what your religious background is. I don't know what you believe. Uh, but I, I'll tell you this. For me, for me personally, I have never sought an answer from God that he was unwilling to give. You know, the scripture says that knock and the door will be open. Ask and it'll be given to you. And uh, if you need wisdom, ask. God will give it to you. And so all I can say is I can testify for what God has done for me. Uh, I grew up in a broken home. Uh, my, my dad had some major addiction issues, and uh, I also followed down that path, and I met Jesus when I was 17 years old, and uh, my, my friend at the time, this is just to kind of tell you the path that I was down, uh, he spent three years in prison from t- 2007 to th- 2010, and he just got arrested again uh, this past week, and so I'm praying uh, that this is the time that God breaks whatever that is off, but I tell you that to say that was my future if it wasn't for people who came in and were the hands and feet of Jesus, and then walking with Christ. And so I don't know what your story is. I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you're at, but I want to tell you this, that God has a plan, a hope, and a future for you. We just don't get to decide what the timeline is. Amen. And so that might sound discouraging, but that's a whole lot better than the other alternative, which is we have no hope. We have no plan. Uh, I've personally seen uh, as you go through life without a relationship with God, that's what you're walking towards, right? And so uh, for you, if you're just checking this thing out, if you're like, hey, I'm kind of checking church out, or my friend drug me here, or, you know, whatever, I, I want to tell you that God is patient, that God is faithful, and he wants to know you. And so if you seek him, you, he, he will be found by you. Amen. And so that's, that's the hope of the scripture. And so we're studying the life of Jesus because we want to live like him. Uh, he is not just somebody who has wisdom, but he's the embodiment of wisdom. He's the embodiment of love. And so we're trying to learn how to orient our lives around that. Amen? Uh, my t- the title of my message this morning is uh, Love is for Anyone and Everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, anyone and everyone, that means you. Come on, go ahead and do it. Anyone and everyone. That includes even you. Um, I'm going to do it a little bit different this morning. Uh, I'm going to teach straight through the passage. Would you all be into that? Would you guys be cool with that? Okay. Uh, So Luke, we're in Luke 10. Uh, Luke 10, go with me. We're going to have it up here on the screens. If you have a cell phone on you, which I know you do, unless your parents took it from you or they're not letting you have one yet because they're wise. Uh, Luke 10, 25. Through 37 parents or kids, if you're in here and your parents have not let you have an iPhone yet, thank them, all right? If you've been bothering them for a smartphone or whatever, say thank you. Thank you for making me learn how to play outside in Jesus' name. Uh, Okay, Luke 10, 25 through 37. Here's what it says. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Now, it's interesting 
Uh, if you go and you look at Luke 10, the way that it's broken down is he just got done sending out the 72. Everybody say 72. So a lot of times we think about the 12 and we think about disciples, but Jesus had just sent out the 72 people that he considered disciples that were learning to walk with him, learning his way of doing things, and they had watched him do ministry up until this point. And at this point, Jesus said, okay, you've watched me do it, now I want you to go out and do it. Everybody say do it. I want you to go out and do it. And so they had come back. They had seen amazing things. God was moving. He was building their faith. This is kind of the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry up to this point. Why? Because when you are a leader, there is nothing better than seeing other people thrive, right, in the things that you've taught them. And so this is, is a high point in Jesus' ministry here. And what happens? It says a lawyer, this is actually an expert in religious law, stood up. And it says it put him to the test. Now, it's interesting. Luke was a doctor, the one who wrote this, who put this together. And so Luke is always building a case and trying to show you who Jesus is. And it's interesting. This is an interruption to what's currently happening. Everybody say interruption. Interruption. A lot of times we're bothered by interruptions. But what I love about Jesus is that Jesus always capitalized on interruptions. Jesus was the master of interruptions. You know, there's a story in the scripture where he's going from one place to another to heal somebody and he's interrupted by a woman. And what does he do? He stops. He slows down. What can we learn from this, y'all? So often we want God to work on our timeline, but he's working on his timeline. We've got to be aware of what he's doing and enter in because God does not work on our schedule. Can I get an amen? Type A personalities like me, that's my least favorite thing. Your least favorite thing you're going to hear me say all morning is God does not operate on your schedule, all right? You might start running at 5 o'clock, all right? But we don't know when God's going to show up and when God's going to do things, and we've got to stay open. Can everybody say open? We've got to stay open to what God's going to do. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put in the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now notice, Jesus had just been teaching his disciples what to do, right? And the teacher says, what shall I what? Do to inherit eternal life. What seemingly an interruption actually flows with what Jesus is trying to teach. Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? He poses a question which I think is such good leadership, right? How often are you walking with somebody or parents you're trying to parent your children, and instead of asking questions, we just tell them what to do. Jesus was a master question asker. He knew how to lead people because self-revelation, you figuring it out for yourself, is always going to be stronger than somebody else telling you. Amen? So Jesus asked him the question, what is written in the law? He's a lawyer. What's written in the religious law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting Deuteronomy here. He said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. Now this word live that Jesus uses, if, if you look at the Greek and the Hebrew languages, uh, it's interesting. So most of the New Testament was written in Greek. Everybody say Greek. But Jesus actually spoke a language called Aramaic. 
And so you have a combination of things uh, in, in the New Testament, combination of languages that you're going to see. And so here, when he uses this word live, and you go and you dive into it, it actually doesn't just mean live, but it means thrive. It means to have vitality, to have full life. So he's saying if you love the Lord your God, you love God first, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll have the fullness of life. Does anybody want that? That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm trying to find, is to figure out what fullness of life looks like. He says, you've answered well. Do this, and you'll live. Now, look at this. But desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I wonder for you, if you've ever gone through life and you've had selective compassion, like you've decided this is who I'm going to have compassion on and this is who I'm not going to have compassion on. Listen, the teacher of the law wasn't trying to figure out who he had to love. He was trying to figure out who he didn't have to love. Y'all, it, I, I believe that this, at least for me, I don't know if it's going to be for you. This may be, y'all may nail this because y'all are, full of the Holy Spirit, and so full of faith. But for me, uh, this, if I'm honest, this is me a lot of times. I'm trying to figure out how much do I have to sacrifice? Ooh, do I need to love that person? Like, ooh, you know, I, I see this person hurting. What's my responsibility within this? Because the truth is, St. Augustine had a quote. He was an early church father. St. Augustine said, only God can cancel debt and incur no loss. Only God can cancel debt and incur no loss. Why is this important? Because when we love people, it costs us something. Only God has endless stores of mercy and grace. We're going to come back to that here in a little bit. But he said, desiring to justify himself. Oh, cuts me every time. Who's my neighbor? Jesus replied. He replied with a parable. He re replied with a story. The greatest teachers are storytellers, amen? Jesus was the greatest teacher, the greatest storyteller who's ever lived. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Everybody say Jerusalem to Jericho. From Jerusalem to Jericho. That sounds like a band name, doesn't it? From Jerusalem to Jericho, like a really cheesy uh, metal Christian band. Jerusalem to Jericho. Why are you so angry? <laughs> Y'all want to talk about metal music for a second? I know some of y'all love metal. Raise your hand if you love metal. I don't get it. I'm not that angry. But I know that's not what it's about. It's artistry. From Jerusalem to Jericho, you know the road for, from Jerusalem to Jericho was known at the time as the way of blood. The way of blood. Why was it known as that? because it was a dangerous trail. It wound through uh, mountains and caverns and robbers and people who wanted to hurt you were often waiting and lurking. So what we have to remember is in this time, in the context that this was written in, people knew when you talked about, we could probably name some streets around Little Rock, y'all know what I'm talking about, when you're saying, hey, he was going from here to here, and you're like, he was walking through where? from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now notice, this is intentional. He doesn't define 
what nationality the man is. Did you notice that? He doesn't say he was a Jewish person. He doesn't say he was a Gentile. He doesn't say he was a Roman. He just said a man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. Now, it's interesting. Priests in the Old Testament were not priests because they had earned it. They were priests because they were in a family of priests. See, back in ancient times, more often than not, what you did was what your family did, right? And so a priest is walking by. He's going down the road. Now, when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, this would be kind of like an assistant to the priest. When he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan. Everybody say, but a Samaritan. I feel like that phrase, but a Samaritan, if you understand who the Samaritans were in the culture, is a pretty captivating phrase. I don't know who it is for you. Pick a group of people that you're very frustrated with. Republicans, Democrats, <laughs> whatever. Whoever you want to argue with on Facebook, and you just have to go to the Holy Spirit and say, God, don't let me argue with this fool, right? We all have them on different sides. That is the person that Jesus is pointing out. Why? Because Jewish people had a particular disdain for Samaritans. Samaritans were, if you go back into the history of Israel, they had exiles. Everybody say exile. I'm doing this because this is my Bible teacher. I'm kind of liking this back and forth. Uh, there, there were these exiles that happened in the Old Testament. And what this was is a nation, a neighboring nation would come in and would defeat uh, the Israelites and then wouldn't just defeat them, but would march them off to a new place. It would take the women, the children, the land, and sometimes they would leave some people behind in the destroyed cities. And so the Samaritans were people who'd gotten left behind, I believe, after the Assyrian exile. After the Assyrians had taken them away, they got left behind and they intermarried with people and they had kind of a, a different lens on the Jewish religion. It was almost kind of like a church split. You all know what I'm talking about? We know about those in the South. Okay. And so uh, it was almost like a church split. And so they had different emphasis about where it was important to worship. Now, y'all might remember the story of the woman at the well. Does anybody remember that? She was a Samaritan woman, and she asked Jesus, where should we worship, on the mountain or in the temple? Now, this was a big deal. This was a big deal, because for the Jewish people, them having their temple and that being where their worship was a symbol of God's strength. And so, anyway, uh, continuing on, the Samaritans to the Jewish people were like dogs. That's how they viewed them. They did not go into Samaritan villages. They did not interact with Samaritan people. If they saw a Samaritan person, they went around on the other side of the road. Another way of saying it is they were racist towards Samaritans. Racism is not new. Can I get an amen, somebody? It is a sin, it's a disease that is old as time, and it's something that we have got to continually fight to overcome. Uh, I think it would be a miss for me. Actually, let me continue. That, that is the person, but a uh, Samaritan. I'm going to get to my next point here in a second. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, everybody say saw him, he had compassion on him. My first point 
this morning is we have got to see people. Sorry, Pro Presenter team. Oh, you're right on it. Let's go. That team. Come on, give a round of applause for the Pro Presenter team. Y'all don't know what happened, but I just skipped through a lot of notes, and they were right with me. That was good. We've got to see people, y'all. Jesus loves people. Jesus loves every type of people. And the truth is, is that right now in our culture, there is a particular part of our culture that's hurting. And I can't talk about seeing people and seeing pain without talking about Breonna Taylor and what's happened in our culture. Now, here's what I know. There are people in this room who have totally different opinions on what should have happened, on the way that it should have gone, on what should have been said, on on what should have happened in in the court cases. But here's what I want you to know, y'all. And I want to say this specifically to uh, the black members of our community, people of color, y'all. We see the pain that you're going through. And we care. I know that there are things that are happening in your communities that for me, I've never been through and I can't understand. And I want you to know we see the pain. We believe that there has been injustice that's happening and God is a God of justice. And let me tell you the truth, y'all. We cannot put our hope in another politician. Am I saying that? Don't vote. I'm not making any political statement. All I'm saying is that Jesus is the true king of this world. And if we want to see hope, we've got to start loving people the way Jesus sees people. And Jesus just sees people. Jesus doesn't look at your past and say, I'm going to qualify whether I'm going to love you or not. He doesn't look at your socioeconomic status and say, oh, you've made the right decisions. You're worthy of love. Jesus just says, I love you where you're at, but he loves us too much to keep us there. And he wants to help us grow and change. And y'all, I do not have all the answers. This is, 2020 is the craziest year of all time. Tell you the truth, it's been one of the toughest years to pastor through, ever. But here's the truth. God is good, God leads us, God guides us, and God has answers, amen? And we're gonna press in as a community, and so here's what we've gotta do. Regardless of what you think is happening in our world, we've gotta see the pain, and we've gotta have compassion. Compassion is the answer. Number one, we gotta see people. Number two, we've gotta have compassion on people. Why do we lack compassion? Uh, Anybody in here like to exercise? Anybody like to exercise? Uh, I gained 17 pounds in the first three weeks of COVID. That is not a joke. I overcame alcohol addiction, but I have not overcome snacking addiction. All right, that is my issue. If Callie buys the industrial size packs of goldfish, I will eat all of them. And that's where most of that 17 pounds came from. The gyms were closed, so I couldn't exercise, and so I did what a lot of people did. Anybody get some home gym equipment during quarantine? Okay. I got a pull-up bar, and I was like, I'm going to get good at pull-ups. Actually, if I don't have my prayer card with me. If you look at my prayer card, uh, I put down goals at the beginning of the year, and one of my goals was to be able to do 15, or sorry, 20 unbroken pull-ups, all right? So I went out, got the pull-up bar, and I started working on it, okay? Now, I've got a sh- picture to show you. Have you all heard of gym hands? I didn't know about this. I didn't know this was a thing. Apparently, there's a phrase called gym hands. And this is when you work out and you get calluses. The only reason I know this is because I would send people pictures of stuff I was holding. And almost every time somebody in the text would be like, oh, gym hands, bro. I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know. So, okay, close your eyes if you're faint of heart. So this is what gym hands look like in the beginning. I, I spared you. I actually had a tear in, in one of my calluses where it totally tore off and it was, it was awful. 
but what's happening here is my hands are getting used to the abuse that I'm putting them through. And what happens, you can take that down, <laughs> is when you get calluses, which now they're okay, uh, when you get calluses, you can actually cut that piece of skin and it does not hurt. Listen, calluses are great for hands. They're terrible for hearts. And the truth is, I believe that in this year, so many of us, we were already struggling. I'm going to be honest. Anybody here struggle with compassion brave enough to say it? That is something Jesus has to work on in me all the time. Just not wired like that, okay? 2020, I believe, has given us something called compassion fatigue. Can everybody say compassion fatigue? When you see trial after trial and painful situation after painful situation, it's easy to get fatigued and say, I don't want to look at it anymore. One of my favorite quotes of 2020 is, it's the most American thing ever to decide you're over something and therefore it does not exist, (laughs) which is kind of true. Let's own it, all right? But the truth is, I believe that we as a culture, have gotten calloused and gotten fatigued. And, y'all, there is only one solution that I've personally found for compassion fatigue, and that's to read the Word and to be renewed by it daily. Why? Because Jesus turns our way of doing things upside down. I don't know about anybody else in here, a lot of the adults in the room. You learn ways to cope, right? You work your schedule. You get things done. You make sure you get nice and organized, but the way Jesus says to deal with our problems and to deal with specific heart issues is not just to structure and organize our life in the right way, but it's to view people in the right way. And how do we view people in the right way? First, we've got to view God the right way. Because if we view God as a being that is perfectly loving, perfectly righteous, and perfectly kind, but yet he lowered himself to the form of a servant and loved people like us, that shapes the way that we interact with people. We've got to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we do that, we will begin to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is an absolute byproduct of a relationship with God. And so if you're struggling with compassion, you will not will yourself to having more compassion. You will only have it by having a correct view of who God is. And so here's what I want to challenge you with. If you're struggling with that, jump in, shameless plug, to the Life of Christ study and start going through it with somebody. We're providing the teaching. You just get to have the conversation. And so for me, I've got a couple of friends. They don't even live here. And every morning we're texting each other, hey, this is what I'm learning. This is what God's doing. If you, if you don't have anybody to do that with, I got good news. Wednesday night, 6.30, right here. We're hosting the long-form teaching, and then we've got some breakout groups. And so I just want to encourage you guys, if you want to get a, if you want to figure out what to do with 2020, <laughs> we've got to figure out who God is and get a clear view on who God is. Amen? Okay. Y'all with me? I can't tell sometimes because the mask. I know we tell you to wear them, but it makes it harder to get a feel. Okay. So number one, he saw him. We got to see people. Number two, he had compassion on him. We've got to have compassion on people. And number three, we've got to love people at personal risk. We've got to serve people at personal risk. Look what the Good Samaritan did. He saw him, he had compassion, and then he went to him 
He doesn't know this man. He bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal. Another translation says his own donkey. It means he had to walk. And he brought him to an inn and took care of him there. Inns in of, the, of themselves, I don't have time to get into it, but we're dangerous in this time. Everything's dangerous <laughs> on this road. Can you all think of some hotels that are dangerous around town? Me and Blake can. Inside jokes. Love to be a part of one someday. Uh, took him to the inn and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. Again, he does not know this man. And whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Which one do y'all think? Was it the Levite? Was it the priest? Or was it the Samaritan? Yell it out if you know it. The one who stopped. The one who loved him. He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Y'all, we've got to see people. We've got to have compassion on people. And we've got to serve people even at personal risk. Y'all, this is something we will never do in and of ourselves, but if we get a proper view of who God is, who Jesus is, what he has done for us, this will be the overflow. Let me tell you something. Don't sit here and beat yourself up and say, man, I've just got to become more this way. Oh, I just got to try harder. You'll never get there. We've got to look to the cross of Jesus Christ and we've got to ask God and we've got to point our lives and say, we want to emulate the life of the man who hung on the tree for those who would despise him, those who would reject him, and those who would forget about him. The truth is, is that Jesus is the good Samaritan. Jesus is the one who came down the road, who saw us in disrepair and saw us in pain and came over and bandaged our wounds, loved us where, where we were at, and he even went to the cross at own personal risk to pay the price for what we could never pay for ourselves so that we could become healed and whole and have a relationship with God. And if God has done all these things for us, y'all, he will equip us to do these things for him. Scripture says that we're called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And so I wonder for you, what's the area that you struggle with the most in here? I believe for me, sometimes it's just seeing. Like we get so busy, we don't even see what people are going through. You could be going through life not seeing the pain, the loneliness, the struggle in somebody else, sometimes it's just stopping to ask questions. Hey, how you doing? Maybe it's compassion. Maybe you see the problems, but you have compassion fatigue. Y'all, this is a, a common thing that people go through. How are you gonna get through that? One, you gotta recognize it. You gotta talk to somebody about it. And then I believe the best solution is to just ask God to give us his perspective on people. Ask God to renew us. It says The scripture says that we're, renewed by the washing of our minds by the word. Amen. Number three, we got to serve people. 
at personal risk. I think this is probably the hardest one. Y'all, the truth is, is that something that we do, it's not generosity unless it costs us something, right? It's not generosity unless it costs us something. Loving people in this way, I'm not talking about just your friends, not just talking about your family, although that's hard enough. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Family's often the hardest ones. I'm just talking about anybody. Y'all, the early church, what marked them, there's a historian, a secular historian in the first century, and he said what was so amazing about the early church is they didn't just take care of their people. They took care of other people's people to the shame of those people. Like Christians were so good at loving people, other cultures were like, they're loving our family better than we are. Why? Because in Christ Jesus, we are all a part of the family of God. God wants to break down these walls of who's our brother, who's our sister. He just wants to start us to start seeing human beings as people who have inherent value and for us to go out and love those people in that way. And so here's my question for you. I don't want to get too specific because I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But what does it look like for you to go and do likewise? What does it look like for you to love within your circles, within your families? In a way that doesn't just serve you, but gets right in the dirt with people where they're at. So that's what I want you to chew on this week. I want you to ask that question. What does it look like to go and do likewise? Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.